headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the Pods Moving and Storage Studios, it's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author, host of the Ken Coleman Show, is my co-host today. You jump in, we'll talk about your life and your money. It's a free call at 888-825-5225. Alexis in Athens, Georgia starts this hour off. Hi, Alexis. How are you? Hi, Dave. I'm good. How are y'all? Better than we deserve. What's up? So I'm 22 years old, and I'll be graduating in May debt-free with a bachelor's degree in mathematics. Awesome. For the last four years, thank you, for the last four years, I've been training to join the Air Force, and I was selected to be a pilot, but last week, I was medically disqualified from the Air Force, and now I don't know what to do with my life. Mm. What happened? Can you share? I don't want you to be too, of course, forthcoming, but what's what's going on? Would this preclude you from flying any plane or just the Air Force? So I'm finding out more details as the weeks go on since it quite literally was a week ago, but basically some medical records from 2012 relating to mental health have disqualified me. Okay. Well, first thing I want to say is I'm sorry because we can hear When you were 11 years old? Yes, sir. I was 11. Wow. Yeah. Are you okay now from a practical standpoint? Yes, sir, I am. Um, it's been rough, but I kind of am looking at this as almost like a second chance since I pretty much signed no, up. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I mean, 18. have you recovered from what happened when you were 11? Oh, oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Actually, um, it was a false diagnosis. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so here's the deal, Dave. That that <laughs> It's frustrating and maddening and disappointing, but the good news is is you can still fly the friendly skies. It may not be for our military because of who knows what government regulations and uh, are involved here, but you are not disqualified from flying planes. True or false? I don't know, honestly. Well, if it was a false diagnosis, well, I guess my point On is... On an 11-year-old child, yeah, you're yeah. not. I'll just tell you. You, yeah. <laughs> you can get a pilot's license, okay? Right. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, and number one... We need to go up and you need to go back and work, clean up your medical records and uh, mm-hmm. put some notations in there and so forth so that if, if somebody else sees this, they understand the absurdity of it. It sounds like, right? Yes, sir. Okay. But yeah, I don't, I don't think, I think you can be a pilot. I think Ken's right. It's just a matter of now the path is a little more yeah. uh, strenuous because now you're paying for <laughs> flying lessons. Right. Ouch. Um, but Ouch. I'm actually not sure if I, I don't think I want to be a pilot. Okay, so now I'm confused. Yeah, I am too. So, my main goal with the Air Force was I wanted to be in the Air Force. The job wasn't necessarily the driving force factor, it was being in the Air Force. And now that I've had time to think about, like, basically, that dream has been destroyed and kind of think about my life, I don't think that flying is the end all be all. And what did you want else. to do in the Air Force? Let's just pull the Air Force aside. What did you want to do? Let's assume that this didn't happen. You get in, you fly, and then you start to make your way up. I'm assuming you had a ladder in mind. What, what would you be doing in the Air Force, ideally? Yes. 
So some of the milestones that I wanted to hit along the way was I wanted to be a instructor at the Air Force Academy and I wanted to teach mathematics. One other goal that I had was to become an astronaut and okay, so, overall just... So let's just focus on what we can do. Can't be an astronaut because of the Air Force unless you somehow can appeal this and get this cleaned up. I, if I were me, I would look at all avenues to try to get this false diagnosis cleaned up, and I would try to appeal. That would be me. I would fight until I cannot fight any longer. Unless, However, unless you've just decided you no longer yeah. really want to be in it. Yeah, if at the Air I'd, Force was the goal to instruct in the Air Force, I'd fight. But if you just want to instruct mathematics, you've got all kinds of opportunity to do that, and you could teach at a very high level. You are not limited in your desire to teach, to instruct mathematics, and maybe be involved in aeroscience, but uh, you know, uh, in the private sector. If that was the path, then I would be going as close to that as possible. If I can't be an astronaut, how could I support space and exploration and the science there? I think you have a bright path, and I don't think you're in any way limited to do that. I think the Air Force is obviously a place you had in your mind as a great destination, but you shouldn't be stopped at all. I understand why you're discouraged, but let's get refocused. If you want to fight on the Air Force, great. If you don't, let's move forward. You've got the degree. You're debt-free. You're ready to go. Yeah, there's nothing holding you back here. It just, it's, a, it's just a radical change of direction, which is emotional as it can be. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, uh, uh, but I, I think Ken's right. I, num- I would go get the medical records disputed, cleaned up, whatever whatever the process is there, because um, that, that may frustrate something else in the future. Who knows? Um, but the uh, – and then just decide, okay, what is it I want to do? What parts of what I was going to do in the Air Force are still appealing, and how, how can I do those in the marketplace? Um, I mean, SpaceX, we've got commercial – Mm-hmm. applications of space exploration out there now that uh, are open to mathematics majors i'm sure and so i'm not sure you'd be a, an astronaut on that kind of a thing but i mean you could work in the field mm-hmm. for sure if that's what you want to be around and, and utilize your mathematics degree so you got a lot of options i'm sorry you uh you know you got you got sucker punched i yeah. mean you got you just kind of cruising along and boom yeah. you know and so now you just got to reset rethink mm-hmm. And it's a normal human thing for that to take a minute, uh, but it doesn't. It doesn't take a year. No, it, it, it takes a, a week. That's right. And just re, re. Okay, I'm not going that way. What way am I going? That's right. What's next? That's What's right. next? What's next? And you know, this is your uh, first opportunity to get back up after a uh, after a fall, after a rejection. Yeah. And the way we get back up is by refocusing on that end result. Our good friend Henry Cloud calls it a desired future. And for you, remember, it was, I want to instruct in math, and then I want to be involved in the space program. So I've had some things dictated to me, but I can still do all of those things. Nothing is limiting you. And so begin to focus on the change you always wanted to make in that initial narrative. And so now the story's still whole. It's still the exact same goal. It's just different way different place, different path. And I think that will really snap you back. And 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 uh, you'll find that you'll be more resilient as a result of this disappointment. That's what I want people to hear that have been burned lately and disappointed. You're going to be more resilient. You're going to be tougher. You're going to be okay. You still have a lot to give. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, hang on. We're going to sign you up for uh, Ken's assessment, his career assessment. And you can go through that. It'll give you some insights, too, in... Um, the get clear assessment uh it'll it'll 
uh, help you get clear and on some of this new direction change. So a lot of opportunities for you. You're going to do great. You're amazing. This is The Ramsey Show. Are you working the baby steps? One of the smartest and most impactful changes you can make is to ditch your cash value life insurance plan, if you have one, and replace it with a term life policy. Listen, the only thing a cash value policy is good for is overcharging you for the life insurance and then paying you a crappy rate of return on your overpayment. Stop wasting your money and really focus on getting out of debt and growing your savings. For over 25 years, I've trusted and used Xander Insurance to find the best rates on term life insurance from the top rated companies. They keep the whole thing simple. You can apply online or over the phone and they even have low cost plans that don't require an exam. Go to Xander.com or call 800-356-4282. Even if you don't have a cash value policy, if you're one of the 70% of people who have no life insurance or not enough, it's even more important to get this done. 800-356-4282 or Xander.com. Thank you for joining us, America. It's a free call at 888-825-5225. You jump in. We'll talk about your life and your money. John is with us in Salt Lake City. Hey, John, welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, how y'all doing? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's up? Um, so I'm just trying to to figure out uh, when it makes sense to leave my six-figure uh, salaried position to jump full-time into my side hustle. What's the side hustle? Um, I, I started a company and we sell mobility vans to disabled people and companies. Oh, wow. How long have you been doing that and how much income is it generating? Um, so we've been, this is our fourth year. Um, it's grown by 30% every single year. Last year generated uh, $375,000 in net income and $3 million in sales. Nice. What's your projection for this year? Uh, four seventy-five and about $4 million. Nice. So if you have a net income of $475,000, why do you need to keep a six-figure job? Why do you even need to ask the question? You know what? I, I, I That's probably what I'm questioning myself. There's a lot of safety blanket things here, good health insurance, good retirement, security for my family. You know, I, I, 475000 will buy all of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't disagree. I, I, I feel also I think I feel a sense of loyalty to this organization to try to help where I can, but I... I find myself very distracted right now. Yeah, you think? <laughs> How many employees do you have besides yourself? It's just me. It's just you. And what do you make in the full-time job working for somebody else? Uh, 114000 Okay, so the, the, the Dave's right, but the simple, let's just play this out practically. Can yeah. you pay yourself $115,000 out of this four seventy-five based on all the other expenses and from yeah, your side hustle? Without a doubt. Yeah. So it's a no brainer. Yeah. I just, you know, there's there's a false narrative here that you have more security working for someone else than you do for yourself. That's a false narrative. Yeah. Unless there's some facts yeah, I think, that you can come no, up with. I, no, I think early in our marriage, you know, finances were hard. We struggled. Yeah. It was paycheck to paycheck. So for us to start, we, we've started other businesses that have failed and this one just really exploded. So I think I have some hesitation because of the fear of what I experienced in the past. Um, I, I've run 48 months of financials. You know, the average income is $28,000 a month over 48 months. It's a good data set. So I think it's just a, it must be a personal battle I'm dealing with. Listen, 
you're absolutely terrified because of your past, and I love the courage to say that, but that's what's going on. But you've got analysis paralysis here, and and you're you're mm-hmm. busy. You're holding down two jobs, and you're crushing it, my friend. How much more? Yeah. I think the question you got to focus on is how much more could you grow this company if you were full time working for you? All right, let, let's stop a second. Just pretend that you made four seventy five in the coming twelve months, for starting mm-hmm. from today. Okay, that's mm-hmm. four years of income at the other place. Yeah. So even if you blow it up at the end of the year, you got three years to figure out what you want to do. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. And that's, uh, that's only dedicating about 10 hours a week to the business. Yeah. Okay. You know what you need to do. Yeah. You need to quit the other job. Um, I mean, give them reasonable notice, but you need to tell them today. <laughs> you, 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 you overstayed your welcome. You shouldn't be there. <laughs> shouldn't be there laura laura is in boston hey laura welcome to the ramsey show hi thank you for having me sure how can we help yeah um i just have a question regarding um my parents estate and me and my siblings inheritance um Mm -hmm. my parents have asked me and my sibling if we wanted to inherit the house that we grew up in in this moment in time um my sibling doesn't necessarily want to take full ownership when, you know, when that day comes, um, in this moment right now, I would love to. Um, but so, you know, knowing that that's a potential that, you know, could change, my parents could sell it if, you know, later on in their life, that's what they choose to do. They have obviously, they should do what's best for them. But in the meantime, knowing that, you know, if that is an option someday, I, I would like to have that be, you know, my home and keep that in the family. How should I go about managing my money with that in mind? Should I pretend like it's not going to happen? What was that? I said, pretend like it's not going to happen. Go live your life. And then, and then if you get the house, then figure it out then. Okay. Because how how old are your parents? Um, my, my oldest parent is 72. Okay. Are they ill? Um, one of them is, is they're in okay health. (laughs) Okay. Have they got 20 years though? They probably do possibly yeah yeah 15 or 20 and, and you, you don't put your life on hold for a house you might or might not get 20 years from now no rock on kiddo just rock on nope. and if you get the house later if at that moment in time this still looks like it's something that's appealing fine if not just sell it and turn it into money got it okay yeah. and then if I, I i currently have a mortgage that's my only debt you pay it off if i if um, if, but if I get to that point and I still have a mortgage, Why would you, you recommend 15 years from uh, now, all right, you need to get through the mortgage, quit letting this potential thing that happens way out there in the future, dictate a change in good common sense and planning. Okay. Yeah. You should, you should just say that's out there. It might, might, or might not happen. It might or might not change some things, and if it does, it's just extra. It's just gravy on the biscuit. It is not the biscuit. You take control of uh, the controllables, run your life, and then then when this happens or doesn't happen, it doesn't throw you all askew because you haven't counted on the wrong thing. So, yeah, it's perfect on that. That's what I would do. Yeah, focusing on the now and how I win now and not worrying about all these things that could happen in the next is the right strategy because now I'm I'm trying to win now as best as possible. Well, and it's something that's out of your control, yeah. and if it is affecting the next five years negatively yep. because you might get this 15 years from now, that's really dumb. That's right. Yeah, you, you start waiting on it, yeah. and then you wait to do anything else. Yeah, that's, that, you know, that's like – 
Yeah, absolutely. Don't do that. No, go, go be somebody, mm-hmm. go, go be great. Make things happen. Be, be awesome. Get the house paid off. Have you a big old pile of wealth. And then if this comes along, well, we'll look at it then and we'll decide it may become less and less interesting. The more and more successful you become. That's a very good point. Yeah. So <laughs> all of a sudden, yeah, you know, it's just a, it's just a house. It, it has wonderful memories and I hope and nuances yeah. and things. Cause it was your, your, you know, your childhood home, as you said. And so that's kind of cool. But I honestly, um, I, and I feel the, nostalgic about my childhood homes different ones we lived in but i wouldn't care to own a single one of them yeah just not worth it yeah not my not my world today and it's not it's not because i'm a snot it's just they they don't fit in my world Mm. the way my world is now but i'm old so there you go (laughs) seasoned seasoned experienced there it is that's it yeah lots of experience Well, Financial Literacy Month here, the month of April, and uh, this from Forbes: High school should high schools teach financial literacy? More states are, and more states and more states are saying yes. And of course, we think that's a great idea at Ramsey because we have a high school curriculum called Foundations in Personal Finance that's taught in about forty-eight percent of the high schools in America. About six million students have been through it, and uh, we think that if you're going out there and walk around as an adult, you ought to know how to do it. Uh, this article says in April, Georgia enacted a law requiring high school students to take a half credit of financial literacy as a high school graduation requirement. Florida, Michigan, Nebraska, Ohio, Rhode Island, all have passed laws recently, too. Texas has a law. I'm throwing that in. Other states, including South Carolina, Minnesota, and New Hampshire, have similar legislation making its way through the legislatures. Overall, 12 states require or soon will require a standalone financial literacy course as a prerequisite to graduation. Uh, well, I mean, you're going to use that more than the Pythagorean theorem. That's correct. So, hello. I mean, if and moms and dads, you ought to be all for this. It keeps them from wanting to live in your basement later because they know how to handle their own money and they're not freaking out. I picked up an article a while ago. This kid bought Crocs instead of paying his bills what, during the pandemic. 20-something-year-old. Crocs! For God's <laughs> sakes. Yeah, you need a financial <laughs> literacy class for sure. For sure. Crocs! Oh my God! Even I know not to do that. That's true. I know, they're back. This is the Ramsey Show. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co host today. Open phones at 888 Well, we just finished up an incredible smart conference last weekend in Nashville, our new Ramsey event center full of people. It was rocking a Friday, Saturday night, or Friday, all day Saturday. Incredible, incredible, incredible. And so this week we're announcing the fall smart conference will be in Chicago. September 15 and 16 with all the Ramsey personalities, me, Rachel Cruz, Dr. John Deloney, Ken Coleman, George Camel, and uh, the greatest hits, the greatest new hit we've got, Jade Warshaw. Uh, she'll be, uh, we'll all be on stage for this two-day event and get you motivated and fired up to keep attacking your goals. You're going to leave with a plan to improve every area of your life, your money, mental health, relationships, career. Hey, it's all there. Listening to the radio show is one thing, but being live with thousands of other people that share your enthusiasm for a quality life, oh, it's a pretty cool thing to do. And uh, part of it is you're going to get to be there for a live recording of Smart Money Happy Hour podcast with Rachel and George. And the fun doesn't stop there. We got surprises all day long. It's a 
packed out thing. Tickets start at just $79. The VIP and platinum type tickets go really, really fast. So you better get on these really quick. Uh, we've got a ticket that actually includes dinner with me and the other Ramsey personalities after the event. There's only 60 of those I guess, super platinum tickets or wow. whatever they're called. So, uh, they're going to go really fast, but they're not $79. I promise. So <laughs> not even close. So anyway, check it out. Smart conference, September 15 and 16 in Chicago and go to RamseySolutions.com slash events and get to signed up as fast as you can. We're going to, we're really looking forward. That's going to be a great event. This last weekend was a lot of fun. Incredible energy. The crowd was absolutely on fire and obviously really fun to have everybody on our campus. A lot of fun. Yeah, it really was. It was packed out and, and I mean, there was no drop off. It just energy upon energy upon energy. It was a, they, the crowd had to leave exhausted. I know we did, (laughs) but, uh, I mean, they were, cause there's just so much there. I mean, your segment with the, uh, the whole thing was so emotional. I mean, it was just, man, I was back there crying and I knew what you were going to do. You, 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 you didn't sneak up on me. So That's I mean, right. it's just still got me. It's just really, really good. So check it out, folks. Don't miss this. George is going to be in Los Angeles. Hi, George. How are you? Doing well, sir. How about yourself? Better than I deserve. What's up? I uh, had a quick question. I guess it could be a little bit more complex, but basically uh, I have a dilemma about splitting uh, property taxes or how to go about uh, divvying up the money on our tax return from property taxes in a shared household. A shared household. Yeah. So my, I, my wife and I, we live in the same household as her parents. We have our own side of the house, but the property is one property. Who owns, who owns the house? uh, My wife and her parents own it three ways three ways yeah so they they purchased the home before we got married and then i came into the home and my wife and i we have our side of the home okay so they the the mom and dad own two-thirds your wife owns one-third yeah that's correct why would you not split it that way uh because with the basically when we spoke to our tax consultant they told us that the best strategy for us would be to claim the house because the difference in our taxes for us claiming the house, my wife and I would be a total of $1,500 for my in-laws. It was a $400 difference. If they claim the house with the maximum benefit. And if we split the, uh, there's not, the, I mean, how you claim, don't claim a house. You mean if you take all of the property taxes, yes, that's so right you're going to pay all the property taxes to lower your tax bill. Yeah. And That's then, dumber than a rock. Okay. Your tax consultant needs to be fired or an idiot because here's what's happening. <laughs> You're paying out $10 on taxes to save 15 or $20 or paying out property taxes of $10 to save a dollar and a half to $2 on taxes. That's or, dumb. I think it was the, it might be the interest. I'm not. I'm not a tax. Doesn't well, matter. The interest that Doesn't matter. The, okay. If you're actually having to pay the entire tax bill, property tax bill, or interest bill, in order to get the tax write-off, then you're putting out a ten dollars every hundred dollars in order to save fifteen dollars. 
because mm-hmm. you don't you don't save a hundred cents on the dollar on a tax deduction, man. Yeah, it lowers your income yeah. that is taxable. Yeah, but and at your yeah. tax rate is the only actual savings. So yeah, I bet it does save you, but it also increases the uh, the out of pocket expenses by. 10 15 x in order to save you fifteen hundred dollars no thank you okay so you can't claim the, the interest if you didn't actually pay it no we yeah we we paid the interest and i guess because my wife is the owner in the home we can either claim a percentage or the whole interest on the uh on our tax return did you pay all of the interest and why yeah, did, the, all of the interest was paid why i thought she's only one third owner uh, well, between her and her parents, it was paid. Okay, dude, you, you, no kidding. Or they would have foreclosed. Obviously, yeah. somebody paid it. But my point is, yeah. did your parent, did her parents pay two-thirds of the interest and you all pay one-third of the interest? Yes or no? Uh, yes. yes. Okay. Then you can't claim the part that they paid. You didn't pay it. Even if you wanted okay. to, you can't. The only way you can pay it is for uh, claim it is for you to pay it because you get audited. You have to prove you paid it again. Your tax okay. consultant is apparently a moron. So, yeah, you really need to move on. Number one, you can't a tax consultant tells you to claim something you didn't actually pay. You're going to get hammered by, because you lied in an audit. Number two, if you did actually pay the whole thing in order to get the tax break, that's trading a dollar for a quarter. You never trade dollars for quarters. And people, that's what tax write-offs are. You're trading always. When you increase your expenses artificially just to have a tax savings, it it, cut, it only saves you a quarter on a dollar. So you don't do that. So no, 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 fire your, fire your consultant. Yeah, I mean, you know, Dave, you were pretty clear on that one. I don't think I can add any to that. That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let, let's go back because people do this crap all the time, particularly you small business people out there. You're the worst. Uh, and I, I love you, but man, you just kill me. So you're cause your stupid CPA will say something like his tax consultant or whatever that is will say, you need to increase your expenses. So you have some write-offs. Well, that's dumb, right? Okay. You don't increase your expenses. You know, okay. So I'm going to go spend $10,000 that I don't need to spend that ends up saving me 2,500 on taxes. Yeah. That's just dumb. Yeah. I mean, how do you how do you get a CPA if you're that bad at math? How do you actually pass the test? It's very interesting. Beyond me. You never increase actual cash expenditures that on things you don't need. Now, if you need them for your business anyway, or if you're paying the interest anyway, then for God's sakes, take the write off. But you're probably you know, George, you're probably not taking the write off anyway, because we've got such high standard deductions now that most people take the standard deduction. They don't do itemized. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do itemized, you're not writing off your property taxes and you're not writing off any interest. So only uh, 12% of Americans, 88% took the standard deduction. Only 12% last year actually itemized. So you're probably not even itemizing or shouldn't be, but uh, not mathematically again, because the deduction, your standard deduction is probably much larger than these other write-offs that we're talking about. So it makes more sense to take the standard deduction married filing jointly this is the ramsey show
Hey guys, we know a whole bunch of you new are out there. If you want to know more about where you are, how to move forward on the stuff we talk about here all the time, check out the Get Started button at RamseySolutions.com. Go to RamseySolutions.com, click Get Started. It's completely free. We'll walk you through exactly where you are and then what your next steps are, and you'll begin to learn the lingo around here. And of course, if you're enjoying this show, please follow and subscribe and share the show. Uh, tell people about it. Send a link or click the share button or whatever, however it is you're doing this. Or if you're listening on talk radio, just share the fact that you're doing that. I'm listening to these Ramsey guys over there, man, and, and they're on such and such a channel. Tell them where we are. Uh, you watch it on TBN. Tell us, tell them where we are, whatever it is, wherever you are, share, tell people we're here. And uh, that helps us, guys. Leave a five-star review. That helps us. Uh, one star is not necessary. Mama said, if you hadn't got anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Joe is with us. Joe is in Akron, Ohio. Hi, Joe. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Dave? Better than I deserve. What's up? Hi. So uh, I have a question. I've been kind of, I started listening to you a couple weeks ago, and I have a question that's kind of been on my mind. So um, my company that I work with has a stock option. So they, I have a stock allowance that I get. And I, when I started at my job back in May last year, um, I had like a big lump sum of like 130 K that'll vest over the next four years in the stock of this company that I work for. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know what to do with this. So I, we've kind of me and my wife, we, after we started listening to you, we, we just pay off all of our debts, so we're completely debt-free except for our house Way that to we go. bought last year. Way to go. And um, we really are just thinking, like, we want to get this house paid off. Like, we, we just bought the house last September, but we, we see this money sitting here, and I don't really like it being an all-in-one stock. Good. And I don't know whether we should put it in mutual funds or whether we should just, as soon as it vests, it, so it's going to... That's every quarter for the next yeah. four years. I'd cash it and you put it on the house. Cash that out and put it right towards the house. Yes. Yes. It's exactly what I would do. And here's how I know I would do that. Reverse engineer it. And that's called a sunk cost analysis. That'll help you. Okay. Reverse engineer it. So okay. if, if your house, uh, let, let's just pretend the stock is, you know, you, you're able to vest and pull out $25,000 of it. Okay. There's an example. Okay. And you, you, right. you were to throw that at the house and reduce your mortgage from, what is your current mortgage? Uh, we owe 480000 on it. Okay. So let's call it $30,000 you cashed out, and you drop your mortgage from four eighty down to four fifty. Okay? Now, reverse okay. engineer that. If I owed four fifty on my house, would I go borrow 30000 more to buy stock in this company? No. No. Okay. And so by reverse okay. engineering it, the answer becomes very clear what you would do. And nor would you go borrow 30000 to put it in mutual funds. So, you know, right. so I'm putting it on the house. I'm getting this house paid off as fast as I can. Congratulations on a great benefit. Big stock options like that when you get signed up is good. Yeah, absolutely. And then to be able to put it on the house, and that creates a ton of momentum. What does that do for someone when in one fell swoop you knock that much off your mortgage payment? That's 130 grand over the next year yeah. or a year and a half, or I said three years, I think, yeah, for yeah. it to vest out. But yeah. yeah, so it is about thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year they're coming out. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And maybe it's going to continue. 
Yeah. Maybe he'll get some more. Hopefully. I mean, that's great. Hopefully. So it's just it's just found money, yeah. and we're just all found money. You're on baby step six, goes mm-hmm. at the house, goes at the house, goes at the house. That is the right way to go. Ken, how much of that kind of thing, uh, stock options, are you seeing in the hiring world? Uh, certainly in public companies, if you're on an executive level, junior executive level, and even sometimes on the very has large in, companies. Has it increased in the last there's not four thirty six. I don't with, see any with the data. weirdness in the labor market. I don't see any data that says it's increased. I think it's probably pretty much standard practice. You might see what you might see is is it a slight decrease when you've got major public companies that are laying people off, which is very interesting, Dave, because we've seen a lot of news in, the, in a lot of news about layoffs, but they're largely tech companies, Salesforce, Meta, which is the Facebook parent company, Google, and they just overhired. And so we're still seeing that people that are getting laid off are getting replaced on average. They're replacing their job within a month. So we still have a very low unemployment rate. March job numbers just came out. We're at 3.5% unemployment. So We don't even have that. No. Because we actually have way more jobs available than we, we do. People. By the millions. So it's a negative unemployment it's an, rate. It really is. Technically, if, if the unemployment rate was properly calculated. That's correct. It's an arcane, archaic yes. process that sucks. Yeah. Yeah, we have about one and a half jobs available for every person who is filed for unemployment. To your point, the yeah. number there. Exactly. So yeah, there's plenty. Yeah, plenty of work. Just there's a shortage of labor. La- America's labor crisis an event you and I are doing with Mike Rowe and uh, with uh, a few other uh, thought leaders, yeah. Don, John Deloney, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Easter, that did yeah. the Comfort Crisis book. We're doing that on May the fourth. Yeah. Uh, you guys need to sign up for that. Uh, there's a free live stream on that. And you can get tickets if you want to come sit in the auditorium. Mike's coming in from L.A. with me the day before um, and picking him up while I'm out there. And we're, he's going to come in. And so it'll be on the Ramsey event center stage. And, um, and, and you know, then we're going to get the rest of these guys to join us and talk through this America's labor crisis. Because hiring for small businesses right now is at a crisis point. That's right. So that's a way to do that for sure. Adam is in Charleston, South Carolina. Hi, Adam. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi, Dave. Thanks for, thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's up? So my wife and I are baby set millionaires. Good. And yeah, we have, so we have a million dollars, um, but we're renting right now and we're trying to decide where to buy and how much house to buy. We recently moved to the Charleston area in the high rent district. We never thought we'd buy a half million dollar house in our life, but now we're contemplating that. So wanted your advice on, you know, if I sell some of the investments we have, I'll probably have to pay the capital gains tax on it. What do you think about um, what, you know, what kind of, how to finance a, a house purchase uh, for someone in our situation? How old are you? 37. Cool. What's your household income? 200000 Wow. And how much of the million dollars is, is one million dollars exactly, and how much of it is uh, non-retirement? About half of it is in four hundred one k's, and you know stuff that I'd have to pay a penalty to get it out. Yeah, of. we're not touching that. Yep, I'd cash out the rest of it though. Pay cash for this house, even though I'd have to pay. I, I think I'd have to pay fifteen percent, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that's, does, that, that's not on half a million dollars. It's just on the gain. Sure. Yeah. So if you had a hundred thousand dollar gain, it's 15 grand. I mean, if you've got 400 yeah. basis in the 500,000 worth of investments, you got a hundred grand gain, you got 15,000 bucks. So what? Whoop-de-doop-de-pay cash for your house, dude. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know what? It's weird. When people say capital gains like you and I are having this discussion, my buddies do this too. I catch them all the time. That There's a drama. It's capital gains, you know, <laughs> inside your head. I say it does that to me when I say, I got capital gains. Yeah. Like it, like like acid just got thrown in the thing. Because or it's un-American. That's why it feels yeah, it's that just, way. It's just wrong. But yeah. yeah. But the uh, uh, but I mean, the, the, but then when I do the math, mm-hmm. it's like it's fifteen grand, man. I mean, shut up, just buy your buy your buy your to house. have a half million dollar in uh, your hand, paid cash, for. Yeah, and if you're sitting there with a half million dollar paid for house and a half million dollars in your four hundred one k's, and you make two hundred k, and you're thirty seven, you, you understand that at sixty seven, your net worth is probably going to be between fifteen and twenty million. Yeah, yeah. Because you got pure cash flow when you don't have a stupid house payment. And a half million dollar house in Charleston, South Carolina, mm-hmm. is going to go up. No question. Oh my gosh, what a wonderful market! Yeah, you you feel like uh, there's still room for the market to go up here, dude? You're asking a 62 year old guy that used to see houses sell for twelve thousand dollars that question. <laughs> That's so true. That's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I buy real estate every day, man. I love real estate. I just love it. And certainly your personal residence. Yeah. Yeah. Charleston is so sweet. Great market. I'd be in there in a heartbeat. Hey, man. Thanks for calling in. You're a good guy. You got your act together. Way to go. Proud of you. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey, it's Ken. If you like what you heard in this episode and want to know more about getting started on the Ramsey baby steps, go to RamseySolutions.com and click on the Get Started button. We'll help you figure out the best next step for you based on your specific situation. Again, that's RamseySolutions.com and click Get Started.